Abolition. Abolition. Slavery is still legal in America, and it's on the November ballot in five states, Louisiana, Alabama, Tennessee, and Oregon. Yeah, you read that correctly. Shout out to Hollywood Unlocked. Slavery is on the ballot for five different states. And just to clarify, see, I know what I'm talking about. On November 8th, voters in Alabama, Louisiana, Oregon, Tennessee, and Vermont will decide whether to remove this punishment exception for involuntary servitude from their state constitution. And for y'all that don't know, the 13th Amendment reads, the United States federal government shall prohibit slavery except for punishment and conviction of crime. And it's not ironic that the descendants of slaves are most likely to find themselves convicted in a punishment of crime. If you live in Alabama, man, make sure you get registered to vote by October 24th. If you live in Louisiana, make sure you register to vote by October 11th. If you live in Oregon, make sure you register to vote by October 18th. If you live in Tennessee, make sure you register to vote by October 11th. You gotta have the same energy, if not more energy, that we have for presidential elections during this midterm election because slavery is on the ballot for five different states. If we were to go by stats, prison is a gold mine camp with no buybacks. Nigga, it's a wizard in the system holding all my blacks. It started in 1640, shackles around my ankles. Melanin meant that I can't go to schools or read because who's gonna serve my master? Also, the pastor describes all my people last. The sheep who exist to upkeep the land We feed the economy, reap all the crops that then feed on it modestly Consciously knowing you're less of that And lighter skin means that you're better now So you in the house taking whips and probably dick Cause well, you a fetish now Meanwhile, I'm grateful for all that I'm giving I'm picking this cotton in rhythm I pray for a lot of the living Escaping is probably a sin And if God ever finds out that I want my freedom Well, damn, then God's gonna call in the wrath Two horses with opposite masks those nooses, they up in the trees and I'm hanging, but I'll never fall like my pants. Then came the 13th Amendment, written in 1865. It says, slavery is over, accepted, paid for doing crime. And then the things that they made illegal are things you associate with people who now education isn't equal. And they getting paid enough to eat, so we stealing and jugging and shit. We need to be fully equipped. The system, the new slave master, brought in to stop us and bullying shit. Cause before we were stealing and jugging, the laws we was breaking was loitering. We go to the bins and we can't pay to find out the jail is who your employer is. This voyage is super intentional. You used to be students in medical. The more than indigenous blacks were the smartest and honestly truest professionals. Literally teaching you about chemicals. My history isn't viewed on a pedestal. Try to tell me only few of my ancestors had anything to offer. If we wasn't strong, you would never bother. If we wasn't awesome, you'd never put all of your resources in just to get to conquer. If we ain't a problem, then why would you want all the youngest who black not to have a father? Cause slavery showed black youth for mad years. That whiteness is right. Your mom getting fucked, your dad getting whipped. But white is the light. And sometimes master blesses you for being a good slave. And kills you off if you a bad one. So black mothers tell their daughters fuck the master. And they tell their sons they can't run. Mama raised the girls independent. And she raised the boys out of fear. These days black women representing the struggle that these black boys trying to clear. Man, we have so much work to do. You just heard social media influencer Subconscious Lee speaking on slavery in the ballot in five states. And that was followed by Javier Almighty, 13. Peace and welcome to Abolition Today, a weekly syndicated online radio program 
with a specific focus on modern slavery as it is practiced through the 13th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution and by for-profit prisons worldwide. We air live every Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 Central, 5 Mountain, and 4 Pacific. Live streams and archived podcasts are available at abolitiontoday.org and on all major podcast platforms. My name is Yusuf Hassan, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Peace Max. Peace, Brother Yusuf. I'm here at the Paul Cuffey Abolitionist Center in Sumter, South Carolina. Well, you sound a little better this week, Max. That's good a to hear. Bit, you sound man. a little bit better. I, little I, I still bit, ain't hundred percent, but I'm, I'm I'm better. Yeah. So last week we kicked off the last eight weeks push to end slavery in the Freedom Five. That's Vermont, Oregon, Louisiana, Tennessee, and Alabama. With the new lead organizer of the Abolish Slavery National Network, Savannah Eldridge. This week, we are joined by Executive Director of the Vermont Racial Justice Alliance, Mark Hughes, as we go through the eight weeks of abolition, abolishing slavery in five states. Priority number one is the Freedom Five. Now there's only seven weeks left, and we want to make sure you know what you can do to help make history and permanent change in the nation. Without a doubt, our plan is to win in all five states, Alabama, Vermont, Louisiana, Oregon, and Tennessee. On November 8th, Vermont citizens can vote yes on Proposition 2 and remove all three slavery exception clauses from their constitution. Yes, they have three slavery exception clauses. For those that don't know, Vermont was the first state in the union to introduce the offensive and illegal exceptions in 1777. Of course, we'll have incredible new music mixes, and we'll bring the ancestors' voices back to life for a new generation in our Bridging the Gap segment. So if you're a slavery abolitionist, don't miss a single one of the next seven episodes of Abolition Today. The future depends on you, so let's make our envisioned future a reality. So before we jump into tonight's into tonight's topic and bring our guest in. Max, how was your week? Oh, man. My week has been so hectic. The year has been hectic, and we've accomplished so much to get to where we are right now. But we've been fighting against false narratives. You know, uh, now they have something to say. And it's not a direct attack on what we're doing. It's indirect. So there's a whole lot of rhetoric about the rising crime rates. And as I mentioned last week, basically blaming black people and brown people for the rising crime and stuff like that. Uh, and they're talking a lot of stuff about bail reform and how that's just putting criminals back on the street. Um, you know, all, all these different things that show that any kind of change to the criminal justice system has got to go against a brick wall every single time, let alone abolition. And anybody that advocates to make that, that type of change is the bad guy. They're the ones who are sleeping with the enemy and bringing murderers and rapists out into our streets, threatening our children. It's, it's pretty crazy, but it's the same narrative they've used over and over and over again effectively. So I've been doing a lot of getting ahead of all of that with the different states and with our uh, federal partners. Yeah, same, you know, uh, I find it just so amazing that it's it's catching so much buzz. That's the one thing that, that I've really been 
happy about and sad at the same time. As we're going to show certain things through tonight's episode, you know. But it was definitely really good hearing Conscious Lee bring it out. He has a huge following on uh, Instagram, and you know, uh, I think it was uh, last week that the Shade Room actually ran, you know, something similar. And just yes. seeing some of the comments, you know, it was just so sad reading through the comments as to how unaware most people are, how misinformed, you know, how just clueless many are on the topic itself, as we're going to also show, you know, how really, really clueless some people can be when it comes to the 13th Amendment, you know. But uh, you want to bring in the guests or – well, I want, to give a shout want out to her. I want to give a shout out to her via Mighty. That was a powerful track that she put together. You can find the video on our page at Abolition Today on Facebook. Um, it really fits what she was saying, and you get more of it out of the song. So check out the video. Appreciate Brother Consciously. I heard he might be listening in tonight. If you want to call in, the number is 515-605-9814. Remember to press 1 on your keypad. Um, and I do want to let people know right off the bat what you can do in Vermont, and then we'll bring our guests in. Voters in Vermont will decide on the legislative record for a constitutional amendment. A yes vote supports amending the state constitution to repeal language stating that persons could be held as servants, slaves, or apprentices with the person's consent or for the payments of debts, damages, fines, costs, or the like, and add slavery and indentured servitude in any form are prohibited. So they're going to strike all of that. You can do this and simply put in slavery and indentured servitude in any form are prohibited. That's what you're voting for with a yes. A no vote opposes amending the state constitution to remove that language and allows the use of slavery and involuntary servitude as criminal punishment. There's important information. Absentee ballots for the November 8th general election will be automatically mailed to all active registered voters by October 1st, and you can register to vote any day up to and including the day of election. So you can visit vote.gov to register to vote right now. There's nothing stopping. All right, Yusuf, let's go ahead and bring in our guest. Yeah, for sure. So we have, and, you know, no stranger to the show. He's been on the show quite often the Executive Director of the Vermont Racial Justice Alliance, Mark Hughes. So welcome back to the show, uh, Mark. Hey, thanks for having me. Good to be Peace, Mark. Uh, Max, it's good to, good to be hanging out with you all tonight. Thanks for inviting me. Indeed, man. Um, yeah, well, we've been digging through the, the crates in Vermont the past week, man. There's so much information we finding out things we didn't know, things that kind of nailed stuff down so we really did know. Uh, you know, Vermont spends a lot of money on incarceration. That was surprising. And even though they've mm-hmm. got a small amount of people in their prisons, it sure does cost the taxpayer a lot to put them there. Mark? Well, I, 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 don't, I don't really um... – have the numbers in front of me, but it sounds to me like you have some information. Uh, you told me earlier in, in the afternoon that you had some really um, surprising data to share with me, so I'm pretty excited about hearing it. Uh, what I do know is, is um, there's a, a few facts that that we're dealing with here in Vermont. Uh, one is, is that currently the Vermont Constitution 
Uh, what it says is, is that all persons born equally free and independent and have certain natural, inherent, and unalienable rights amongst which are enjoying and defending life and liberty, acquiring and possessing and protecting property, and pursuing and obtaining happiness and safety. Therefore, quote, no person born in this country or brought from overseas ought to be holding by law to serve any person as a servant, slave, or apprentice after arriving to the age of 21 years, unless bound by the person's own consent after arriving to such age, or bound by law for the payment of debts, damages, fines, costs, or the like, end of quote. And I would say that, you know, I think because we're abolitionists, we all agree that slavery is an abomination. Um, I think because we are humans, we all agree that slavery uh, is a crime against humanity. Uh, and uh, I think the one thing that we can all agree upon is, is that this language in this Constitution in Vermont does indeed provide, um, as you said at the top of the show, three exception clauses. Um, that actually permit it. You know, some would argue uh, that, uh, well, how has that played itself out, and how did it manifest itself, and can you give me some examples and 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 give you? Um, there might be some folks who might try to bring up, uh, you know, examples of where they think that perhaps, um, you know, maybe prior court cases or maybe just a um, you know, looking through the records and saying, well, where is slavery in Vermont? And if there, and we have had slavery in Vermont, to be clear. Whether that has had anything to do with these words is um, is really um, not the point. Uh, I just want to keep everybody focused on one uh, infallible truth, and that is that this language is here. It's right here in front of us in this mm-hmm. document. And um, and just like a maybe a, a brief um, uh, kind of a correction that I would make to your opening is is the constitutional amendment. What it would do is is where in the Constitution it says pursuing and obtaining happiness and safety, it would strike all of that other language out after the word safety um, because uh, the the current language uh, goes on to say, therefore, no person, no person born in this country, ought to be uh, or brought from overseas, ought to be holding by law to serve any person or servant, a slave, apprentice, and then it goes on with the three exception clauses. But the uh, the proposal, um, what it does is it stops there and it just simply says, therefore, slavery and indentured servitude in any form are prohibited. So just to be clear. Uh, for folks here in Vermont who are listening or those who are across the nation who are watching, just to be very, very clear, we, we agree uh, what the institution of slavery is and what it has uh, created. We also, we, it is undeniable that the language is, in fact, contained within the Constitution today, and the solution that we put forward is clear-cut very, very uh, specific as to the um, 
the um, prohibition of slavery and indentured servitude. And now, and the only other thing I would say before you get ready to go to the ballot is is that this is in the wake of one of the most difficult procedures in the nation to amend the Constitution. That is, is that the Senate, the full Senate, with a two-thirds vote, um, has looked at this and has heard all of the tired arguments uh, that we are seeing coming out of a very, very few people uh, in this state. Uh, the full Senate has voted on it, and with only one dissent, um, definitely uh, took it across the finish line. And it went over to the House, and there was a public hearing in the House, and the full House voted on it, and nearly everybody in the House voted on it. And that was in 2019 um, and um, 2020. And then in 2021 and 2022, the same procedure happened again. And, and after that, our, our governor, um, as per his constitutional duties, uh, created a proclamation that stated that this was going on the ballot. So here we are. I'm glad to be here. And we'll talk more about how to get people to the ballot as we move more into this conversation. Uh, thank you, Mark. Uh, much appreciated, man. Um, you know, I, I try to tell people a lot that each of the states have their own individual relationship with slavery and unique things. Like Vermont is very much different than what's going on in Louisiana. Louisiana is very much different than what's going on in California. And uh, like in Vermont, one of the things that you really don't deal with too much is the prison labor aspect. And also you don't have the huge numbers of inmates like California with 150,000 people and such. But you do have a ratio of racial uh, discrimination somewhere around 14 to 1 in a state that only has less than 8,000 black people in it. <laughs> Your prison might only have 2,000 or so in it, but you only got 8,000 black people in it, the whole state. And they're being hit with a 14 to 1 ratio. And you're spending like $50,000 a year every year just to incarcerate one single person. And also... Vermont has a relationship with a form of human trafficking right now that many other states, some do, but not, not too many of them uh, don't have, where you ship out your prisons to other states uh, to be housed. Like, I think now it's in Mississippi with a private prison. Am I correct? That would be correct. We uh, Here in the state of Vermont, uh, one in 14 African-American uh, males are incarcerated. Uh, we know that we average somewhere about maybe uh, between 1,400 to maybe 1,700 folks who are incarcerated at any given time. Uh, we also know that uh, of those, uh, probably about uh, a third of those folks, I would say roughly, uh, somewhere about a third of those folks uh, who would ordinarily be in local jail are not. They're in prisons because we don't have local jails here and they are also housed under the same conditions. Uh, we know that amongst those, probably 60% of them are just there because they can't pay bail. And we also know that roughly upwards of maybe 150 to 250 folks, and I don't know what the numbers are today, are in a private prison uh, in, um, in Mississippi. All of those things are true. Uh, at the same time, uh, while those things are true because two things can be true at the same time, is, is we also know and understand uh, that as we're doing this work, 
with the abolition of, uh, of slavery uh, in Vermont. Uh, we're, we're keeping a close eye on all of the systemic impacts that the changing of the language of the Constitution or the abolishment of slavery, or if you would say the the prohibition of slavery and indentured servitude would have. Um, so we know that they will. It will have. It will ultimately. It should ultimately have impacts on statutes, rules, institutions, the government, legislation, courts. We don't know what those are. Uh, incarcerated conditions, uh, or I should say, conditions uh, related to folks who are. Um, who are who are held uh, in prison uh, are are one of the things I'm sure at some point or another they'll probably have to go back and look at. Um, and I know um, thinking about uh, correctional industries would probably be Vermont correctional industries might be one. Um, but there's a slight nuance in Vermont that I'll share with you in a moment. Um, human trafficking might be an implication. Labor, uh, I know um, migrant labor here in Vermont. Uh, there, you would think there might be implications there, um, particularly where we know we have over 1,500 undocumented migrant workers here that literally uh, uphold the dairy industry. Um, God bless you, migrant justice, and get on the bandwagon, Hannaford. Um, and then, of course, there's the Department of Children and Family. Uh, we know that Woodside was recently closed, um, which was our which was our youth. Uh, incarceration or or detention facility, I should say. Um, but what made that worse is that some of our youth were actually going out of state, and we did have numbers indicating that those those um, proportions of folks who were in those facilities were were largely black. Um, I said a minute ago that uh, I'd come back to um, the implications here in Vermont. Uh, probably one thing that the folks at National uh, at the Violent Slavery National Network perhaps. You know, it's, maybe it's not lost on you, but I think it's worth it's worth mentioning is is that Vermont has only um, um, has only provided exception uh, for um, three instances uh, where where uh, slavery uh, would be um, permitted, and those are um, obviously you know under the age of 21, uh, the uh, at a person's own consent, and also for uh, those instances that we were talking about earlier uh, that seem rather um, ambiguous, but um, payment of debts, damages, fines, costs, or the like. But I think um, it's really important to, to, kind of, to kind of hold that for a minute. Just, let's just, let's just uh, pause there for a minute because it, it, for the listeners, if you think about what I just said, what I said was, is we only permit slavery under three circumstances in the state of Vermont. So there may very well already be a challenge that has existed for the last, well, ever since 1865 here in Vermont, because none of those exceptions involve the punishment of a duly convicted crime. So I'm not a constitutional lawyer, but if, if folks wanted to get in the weeds and just get away from the real issue. And because, to be clear, the real issue is very, very clear. Slavery is reprehensible. There is language in our Constitution with three instances that permits it. We want to amend the Constitution to make it clear that slavery is prohibited under all circumstances. Those are the facts. 
But if we wanted to really get in the bushes and talk about the implications, say, for example, of 13, some would argue that 13 would not even apply in this place uh, because the state's right, uh, because this state has already made it clear the instances under which slavery is permitted. But see, the thing is, <laughs> it's it's really hidden language. Like, here's something that I was, while you, you and Max were speaking, I was just doing a little bit more research on something. So when you see where it begins, therefore no person born in this country, so we're talking about American citizens, or brought from overseas. So when it's talking about brought from overseas in 1777, they're talking about the the uh, transatlantic slave trade. Now, what it leaves out are immigrants. It leaves out immigrants, and the reason I say it leaves out immigrants, because do you know that ICE has detained immigrants in 10 Vermont facilities, that they have more housed and facilities more than in New Hampshire and Rhode Island, according to the Burlington Free Press? It's an article that they put out there uh, indicating that as of November 2017, ICE has detained immigrants in 10 different facilities in Vermont, despite having the lowest population of its New England counterparts. The state's count still ranks higher than both New Hampshire and Rhode Island, and other states with a lower count than Vermont include South Carolina, West Virginia, and Washington, D.C., Vermont facilities in which immigrants have been detained include the Chittenden Regional County uh, Regional Correctional Facility, the Franklin County Jail, and the St. Albans Hold Room. Another point that I wanted to uh, point out in there, so that was the immigration portion. The other portion is that the Constitution only banned slavery for men over the age of 21 and women over the age of 18. So therefore, any females under 18 or any boys under 21 could be enslaved because, as you just stated, it specifically lays out who they said who can't be enslaved. So these are exceptions hidden within the exception clause in plain sight. So it goes deeper than just what's written there because when we talk about uh, states' rights, you brought up states' rights, but the state not having that language of Prop 2 in its constitution leaves the door open to interpretation because because it's ambiguous language, and this is not my wording, this is even what, uh, what's her name? This is what House Speaker Mitzi Johnson said. She says, as we worked to in, no, I'm sorry, this is State Rep. Hal Colston. He says it will bring clarity to Article 1 that has some ambiguity around the language surrounding slavery and involuntary servitude. This is according to a statement that was put out by, uh, by him through Ballotpedia. And uh, House Speaker Mitzi Johnson says, as we work to ensure that all Vermonters are treated equally and fairly, it is crucial that we amend the archaic language of the Constitution to emphasize that slavery and indentured servitude in any form and for persons of any age are prohibited. So with us saying it that way, that makes it clear that 
she knew men under 21 and the women under 18 because she said for persons of any age are prohibited. So, again, language is important, words are important, and therefore, although on the surface it doesn't look like that it's there, Mark, that it's actually really there, right in front of us. Yeah, I, I think, um, again, the, I think mostly everything that you, uh, that you bring up, you know, and these are good points for our listeners to hear because um, the conversations and the debates, some of them which were incredibly um, contentious and um, but informative, that took place in the House Government Operations and Senate Government Operations Committees uh, fleshed out uh, nearly everything uh, that, that you just mentioned. And I think at the end of the day, uh, when we go to Proposal 2 and we look at the simple language that says, therefore, slavery and indentured servitude in any form are prohibited, problem solved. Uh, I think that the, um, you know, First, well, first of all, Missy Johnson, she, she's no longer the, the speaker. That was, she, that was the first biennium. For those who are listening, just remember that this, this is a two-biennium process. A biennium is just two years in which the legislature is in a full session. Um, and as far as the comments uh, that, were, that she made or the comments that any legislator uh, made or continues to make or many folks who um, – initially are exposed to the stark reality and the shocking reality that this language even exists because neither of them, none of them knew it existed before it was introduced to them, before we mm-hmm. before we brought this to the legislature. None of them even knew it was there, and they took an oath to it. I just think you should put a book, big bookmark right there. Um, but what you're reading uh, from outside of the state and as you're looking at the comments, of our legislators, and, and, and there, I don't think there are any legislators that are exempt uh, from this, and I think many citizens would probably want to embrace it, and I, obviously our local media uh, would definitely want to embrace it because, again, we're talking about a state whose who's, um, folks here who, who told their children and, and who told their children and who told their children that this is the state that um, was the first to abolish slavery. Now, Stop and think about that for a minute, and I'm going somewhere with this, is, is that how could we be a state that was the first state to abolish slavery where the language here says after arriving at the age of 21 years unless bound by a person's own consent after arriving to such age or bound by the law for payments of debts, damages, fines, costs, or the like. Those two, those two things cannot be true at the right. same time. Right. It's not bullshit. Christine is chiming in from the background. She said you can't abolish it and say it. So the, the point I'm making is, is simply that the cognitive dissonance uh, that, that we're dealing with here in, in the state of Vermont, it, what it does is it, it, it seeks to, to cling on to something. So it's better to say, that this, oh, this is just old archaic language. Oh, well, this, this is, um, we're just providing clarity. On the, aboli- on the abolition. No, you're not. What you're doing is you're abolishing slavery once and for all. Uh, right. And, and that, those are the facts. Now, I would just uh, conclude on that particular um, trajectory with just saying that 
there is a, um, you know, here in the state of Vermont, um, people, there are still people, the same people that went into those committees are arguing that somehow or another this, that there, that this should be retained because this, because of the historical significance of it. There, there are still people here in the state saying that somehow or another, um, that this, that this language, uh, is, is really, uh, inconsequential and therefore this is symbolic work. Uh, and I think a lot of it is just trying to work through that cognitive dissonance uh, and trying to come to terms with the fact that um, that their parents told them a lie and they told their children a lie and um, and their children's children. It's unfortunate, but it's true. Uh, and But now what we see here for the first time uh, is that there's a light that has been shined on this, this Constitution. And just to be clear, if if this didn't do anything, and, and I'm sure it will. But if it didn't do anything, the least we could say is, is we have a Constitution that for once and for all clearly states that, that slavery and indentured servitude are no longer allowed in this state. If well, we don't I, do this work, then the Constitution will continue to say otherwise. That uh, reminds me of two articles that you've been involved in recently. And I want to uh, give you props on the first one, and I want to actually play the second one. So the first one was one of the best uh, articles I've seen on the subject, and it came from uh, FRE, I guess it's pronounced. And uh, you really stayed on point with that, uh, letting them know we're not here to talk about what could happen. We're talking about what's right in front of your face, that slavery is legal, it's immoral, it's a crime against humanity, and yet you have exceptions on how a person can become a slave right here in your constitution right now. You and Debbie Ingram were both in this article, uh, and you also pointed out that this is not something that is casually changed. It took four years of legislation to get this done, not to mention the work you did in advance of getting the legislation done. And nobody wants to be doing that two, three, four, five times in a row. Let's get her done now, the thing that's in your face. So bad props to you on that one. And the other one you did, uh, I can't remember, BT, BT uh, Blogger Vermont, I think it's called. But I want to play that. VT so Digger. Listen. Yeah, VT Digger. VT Digger. You did a great interview there. Uh, I'm going to play your part, and then you can talk about the second part that we won't be hearing. So we're going to go right into that. That's Mark Hughes on VT Digger on Election Countdown News. And it's going to be followed by Damian Marley's Slave Mill live in the studio. You're listening to Abolition Today, abolitiontoday.org with Max Parthas and Yusuf Hassan. Today our guest is Dr. Mark Hughes out of Vermont, Executive Director for the Vermont Racial Justice Alliance. We'll be right back after this. Abolition. Abolition. As we near the November election, our campaign countdown continues, and tonight we're taking a look at Proposal 2 one of two constitutional amendments on the ballot. The Green Mountain State is touted as the first in the nation to abolish slavery, but leaders in the black community emphatically believe that that narrative is false and categorically reject the argument that Prop 2 is purely symbolic. Our Christina Gesford is live in the studio now. Christina, what does Prop 2 do? Well, proponents say it abolishes slavery in Vermont once and for all, but the legal function of the constitutional amendment is up for debate. Three exceptions that permit slavery 
uh, in the state of Vermont that have existed uh, for over 244 years. Reverend Mark Hughes of the Vermont Racial Justice Alliance argues there's no mistaking. Vermont did not abolish slavery in its state constitution established in 1777. He says it's spelled out in the document's first article. Just read the words. You only have to read the constitution for 30 seconds to find it. Therefore, no person born in this country or brought from overseas ought to be holding by law to serve any person as a servant, slave, or apprentice. Then he goes on to say, after arriving to the age of 21 years, unless bound by the person's own consent, after arriving to such age, or bound by law for payment of debts, damages, fines, costs, or the like. It's there. The language is there. It's always been there. And now we're just at a simple juncture where, with the legislature having made its decision, um, do we support that or not? If adopted, Proposal 2 or Prop 2 would slash that clause, replacing the text with the words, slavery and indentured servitude in any form are prohibited. What you want and what you will, working for your dollar bill, that you see the old slave mill is grinding slow but grinding still and walking home a child gets killed. Neighbors free to shoot at will. That you see that old slave mill is grinding slow but grinding still and nine to five you know the drill. Weekends are a short-lived thrill. Start to see that old slave mill is grinding slow but grinding still. Cup run that's over till it's still. Take until you've had your fill. Start to see that old slave mill is grinding slow but grinding Some of us think we're too big. Because the system gives us jobs. Even though it's just a low-paying gig. Some of us will boast and brag. And those of us who think we're small. Just because we don't have much, it's really not the case at all. There's riches that the flesh can't touch. Some of us don't respect life. Some of us don't respect laws. Some of us don't respect life. And even though we worship God, and some of us won't let go faith, no matter what the price may cost. Some of us won't practice hate, because we still believe in love. What you want and what you will, working for your dollar bill. Start to see the old slave mill is grinding slow but grinding still. And walking home a child gets killed, police free to shoot at will. Hurts to see the old slave mill is grinding slow but grinding still. And nine to five you know the drill, weekends are a short-lived thrill. Start to see that old slave mill is grinding slow but grinding Cup running over till it's still Take until they've had their fill Start to see the old slave mill Grinding slow but grinding Some of us think we're too good Just because material gain If we were living as we should Then less of us would be in pain And those who are misunderstood They still deserve a voice to claim the things that are still meaningful To each and all of us the same And some will say the cups are full And give your thanks for what we've gained Some will say there's much more weight to pull Then we tell you that straight up and plain And some will think outside the box While some of us will hold our lanes 
And some of us rewrite the facts But some of us are trapped on game What men want or what they will Working for a dollar bill Start to see the old slave mill Is grinding slow but grinding still And walking home a child gets killed Police free to shoot at will Start to see the old slave mill Is grinding slow but grinding still And nine to five you know the drill Weekends are a short-lived thrill Start to see the old slave mill Is grinding slow but grinding Cup running over till it's still Take until they pass their fill Start to see the old slave mill Grinding slow but grinding still Keep on Grinding slow but grinding Keep on Grinding slow but grinding Keep on Abolition Today with Max Parthas and Yusuf Hassan. You just heard our tonight's guest, Mark Hughes, uh, on Election Countdown News, and that was followed by Damian Marley's Slave Mill, and he, that was his performance live in studio. Uh, so, Mark, any uh, follow-up as to the interview or, you know, that there was a, if you will, counter-argument to everything that you stated? Yeah, I appreciate that. I love that music. Uh, I, Thank you, bro. I, I want to just give a shout out to uh, to just that first of all, and just Damian remind Marley. all of the listeners you can you can go and grab this if you're listening. You can go and grab this, and I'm sure Max will tell you how you can get to the to the music here. But um, we we're every Thursday we're doing uh, abolish slavery sessions in uh, in Vermont, and we we actually pull pull Max in, and he helps us with the music uh, regarding that. That interview, yeah, it, it 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 was a little bit troubling. If you take a look at the whole thing, uh, you know, I, I was actually misquoted in a couple of places, and and also I think that um, there was another person who had a counter argument and and was instead of quoting him, they allowed him to speak for himself. Uh, so so I would encourage everybody to go out and take a look at it. I want to back up a little bit on um, just uh, some um, on the Constitution itself. When we started to talk a little bit about um, the um, the men under the age of 21 and women under the age of 18, uh, that was the 1777 Constitution. Uh, there there mm-hmm. were um, some co- a couple constitutional conventions, and there overall there's been 27 amendments to the Constitution here in Vermont. Uh, and um, in uh, 1924, uh, the, the, the that amendment did affect Article One. And just for those who are listening, just so you know. Um, the um, this is the Declaration of Rights. Uh, these articles that we're in right now is similar to the Bill of Rights of the United States Constitution. The reason why I wanted to bring that out was because um, 
1924, they changed it to everybody under the age of 21. Uh, so, it, and, it's the, and the other thing that happened 70 years later in 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 1994. Let me clarify before you move forward. You're saying that they went into the Constitution, saw all this slavery <laughs> exception clause nonsense. And said, "Well, we just want to make it so it doesn't say gender specific. The rest can stay." And changed it and put it that way. Is that correct? It, it gets it gets better. It gets better. It gets better than that. So, so yes, in in 1924, the Constitution of the of of the state of Vermont was amended, and uh, where it used to say uh, men under the age of 21 and women under the age of 18. They did, in fact, amend the state constitution to to uh, reflect every uh, people uh, people under the age of 21. Now you said gender. Now walk with me. Let's go forward 70 years into um, 1994. There was a constitutional amendment called Proposal 11 in 1994. Very very significant constitutional amendment which um, professor, uh, the professor that was um, aired in this interview was actually a part of the process, very unusual process because they called upon the, the Supreme Court to go in and review the entire Constitution and, quote, de-gender the Constitution. And because there was language in the Constitution that referred to folks, certain groups of folks called freemen, F-R-E-E-M-E-N, and, but there was also language in the Constitution where it said him or his or men. So all of that was uh, all of that was addressed. And the reason why I bring it up is because Article One was impacted because where it used to say that all men are born equally and free, they changed that to all persons are born equally free. And this is the very argument. That some in the state, many in the legal community, those say, for example, professors who've been at at uh, at uh, law schools here for almost 50 years, claim that this constitution somehow or another um, implies that that's for everybody. Now, for those of us who know constitutions and know this language, we understand that persons refer to folks who were acknowledged as human, and before the 14th Amendment. This did not apply to us. And what, what we see here is, is an attempt to pretend as though this word person was here all of the time. It was not. It was only added in 1994. So that's a part of the um, counter-argument to the counter-argument, if you will, because it's, it's certainly one of the things that the gentleman brings up as being uh, significant. Even the reporter brought it up, and she stumbled across her words, and if you watch it again, you'll actually see her say that slaves are persons, too. Talk about a blunder. Um, mm-hmm. but, then, but then there's um, another um, aspect where this, this, uh, this, this reporter mentions a, a person by the name of, um, his name is um, Stephen Jacobs, uh, and he refers to this person um, she refers to this person because there's a court case that's cited where the, the Supreme Court stated that slavery was abolished. Let me tell you about this court case really quickly in the next minute here. 
The court case, first of all, Stephen Jacobs was not your regular citizen, as she suggested in this interview. Stephen Jacobs was a state Supreme Court justice. And, and Stephen Jacobs owned this slave. She referred to the slave as Dina. Her name was Dinah. Stephen Jacobs purchased her in 1793 in Massachusetts and brought her to the state. And she served him for 17 years in his home, living in a slave quarters in Windsor, Vermont. Okay? So it was only after he threw her out when she was no longer useful and the town had to care for her that a lawsuit came back on him because they didn't want to pay the money, despite the fact they didn't argue when she was his slave. And Oh, by the way, she was purchased as a slave and served as a slave. Now, to be clear, none of this is relevant to the constitutional amendment if you really think about it at the end of the day. It's unfortunate that it's being used to defend it. I'm almost there. It was that court case. Again, this is at the Supreme Court, and this guy is a Supreme Court justice. He, he recused, but his colleagues, in groping for a, a manner in which they could dismiss this, decided that the bill of sale was not admissible because the Constitution says that slavery is prohibited. So the small quote that you see, the Supreme Court saying slavery is, uh, is prohibited in Vermont, contextualized, comes from that decision. You talk about heinous. That is what this gentleman is using, the language that he's using, to defend why this should not happen. Heinous and deliberate. Heinous and deliberate. I saw we had a caller up there, but they're gone now. So, caller, if you have questions she, or comments, she lowered call back she or... lowered her hand. Yeah. Okay, she's All back. Right. Uh, caller, you're on abolition today with Max, Yusuf, and Mark. Hey, um, this is your hey, favorite uppity me. <laughs> Hi, guys. Um, I hey, Corinne. Hey, uh, Reverend Mark. I don't. Know, I didn't know you were a doctor. I need to read your dissertation. That's cool. Theology, uh, ain't but it? I just got promoted. Theology. Well, you know, Reverend, what's the, the church, right? Um, I, the Reverend was one of the people I called when I was incarcerated, fighting for my life and happiness, which is a constitutional right in Vermont. Um, and my favorite uh, scripture is. Hebrews 13, which makes it very clear to remember those who are in prison as though you are in prison with them, and those that are mistreated as if you are being mistreated, as if you yourself were suffering. So, hence why I love a church godly man. Um, and Hulk Hosting is a black man in Vermont who is well-respected, married to a beautiful black woman who teaches white children in Vermont the real knowledge of black history. Um, and he also gives to the poor. He's a really well-respected man. He was actually one of the people who Max he testified in front of because he, I think he was he was part of, I don't think, I know, he was part of the committee um, who listened to all the testimonies. This man, and I also was part of the campaign that helped write him in as a write-in for Winooski, which is a very diverse community that you'll probably ever find. Winooski is the same um, school that you mentioned last, last week about them having um, – using prison labor to build their new school. Um, I just wanted mm -hmm. to talk about um, 
Mr. Richard Kemp and my favorite person, uh, Christine, uh, because, you know, we're talking about voting and, you know, she is the executive director of the Richard Kemp Center. It is her father. She did decide um, to name it after him because of all his work he did um, to get voting rights in Vermont and to push that. And it's unfortunate. He actually passed away right when I was incarcerated. So while I was going through trauma, um, I guess her family was as well. And when the first time I ever met Mr. Yusuf Hassan was in uh, Juneteenth, and that's the time the family was having a bunch of celebrations for his life. So he is a well-respected man, um, and I would love to know how Christine, his bloodline, his legacy, um, a writer, is doing to push um, voting rights that her father did, and what did he do, and how can we mimic that? And, you know, she is a longtime South Burlington resident. I don't know if she still is there, but I grew up knowing her through South Burlington High School with her, where all her children went, and I went. Um, and I would love to know what, you know, she writes beautiful op-eds. I wanted to know if she's thinking of doing that regarding Prop 2, because so far I've seen Prop 5 multiple times in the other paper, which is a South Burlington-run newspaper, and I would love to know if that's something the Richard Kemp Center is doing, um, both for his name and for Prop 2. Great show, by the way. Mark, Mark do you have any information on that? Oh, I mean, I know she addressed the question to Christine. Yes. I was just talking to Christine. You know, she wanted to chime in, and uh, she said it's a great idea. Uh, you know, you know, we just did uh, the National Voter Registration Day. I think it was on the 20th out of the Richard Kemp Center. It's a good time to pivot and talk a little bit about um, you know, voting and, and I know I know <laughs> Christine woke up one morning and told me she had a dream about her father and this was on election day. Um she was telling me he he was telling her to get out to the polls. <laughs> Richard Kemp, um, for those who, who don't know him who or who never met him, just a prolific uh activist, um and just a all around stand up guy, uh, huge in housing, fair housing even was on the forefront of abolition of slavery and abolition uh, the whole um, um, taxation and regulation of, of cannabis and all that other stuff. And uh, So there are a lot of things that Christine's working on, and I'm, I know, Corinne, that she's going to be willing to talk to you offline more about some of it, but she said thank you. She said she thanked you. Uh, she was really touched by what you just said. She just doesn't want to talk right now. She's sitting right here. She just doesn't want to talk right now. I, I wanted to just briefly also, Yusuf, uh, to talk a little bit about um, just the implications in terms of the impact. It, remember a little a little while ago I told you about um, Proposal 11, uh, and what I'm, I'm framing this on is, is, you know, there are some folks who are saying, well, what will happen? What will happen when after this is done? And I think a lot of people love that. That crystal ball. Everybody wants that their their palm red. People want to roll the tea. Uh, folks need their Ouija board. Folks want to know mm-hmm. what's next. You know, um, I trust the Lord uh, as far as what's what's going on tomorrow. Um, but what we do know is is that documents that 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 are that serve as the the foundation of any of any uh, state government or or federal government. They they are not um, for historical purposes. They are not uh, they're, they're not there to serve us 
uh, as entertainment, and, and their words, as you said, which, which I really respect, have meaning. Their words have meaning. Every single word on that document has meaning. And the reason why I say that is, is that when we went through and we looked at, and I have it in front of me, the, um, the constitutional amendment that I referred to that, quote, unquote, degendered the Constitution. Now, a lot of people voted on this blindly. They just trusted that, folks, they're just simply changing the words him and he to they or them or fill in the blank. But what they actually did is they, as I said, replaced a lot of words and replaced it with the word person, but they also removed every instance of the word Freeman. And in the research that we have conducted, what we've determined is that Freeman uh, is that person that can either elect or be elected at any one of the statewide offices, every 181, every 180 seats of the legislature, all six statewide uh, uh, positions, the, the congressional delegation, uh, as well as the, the judges, the, 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 um, the high bailiffs, the state's attorney's offices, uh, and, so on, and so on and so forth. They're the persons that can, can actually elect as well as be elected for those positions and the people who can vote in the general referendum to amend the Constitution. Those are those people. They're called, they were called Freemen in this state. In fact, there was a time when I first arrived in 2009 where there was this thing called a Freeman's Oath that you had to take, you had to sign and affirm to before you were able to vote. What am I saying? In 2019 and 2020, because the Constitution is a direct reflection of many statutes, uh, Article 4, uh, Chapter 42 of the Constitution directly translates to Title 17, voting. Okay, so that's the statute. So when, during that time, what the legislature silently did was now again. The Constitution was amended in, 2000, in 1994. It took them until 2019 to recognize that the language Freeman still existed in all of the statutes, in Title 17, rather. And they quietly, under a, quote, miscellaneous bill, S-107, if you'd like to go find it, in 2019, and removed every instance where it said Freeman. Why is that significant? Because it shows you the, the long-term impact and the obfuscation that actually happens on the back end when things actually do change. The Constitution, the language in the Constitution matters. And I'll just leave you with one other piece, and that is, to this day, the, the last remnant of that language is in two places still in Vermont. One is the title of Chapter 42, because in some, for some odd reason, they changed the title of Chapter 42 in our Constitution to Free Men and Free Women. While they removed all of that other stuff, they left the language Free Men at the title of Chapter 42, and they just added Free Women to it. So it's Free Men and Free Women. How do I know we tried to amend that in the Constitution this last time as well? We'll be back because guess what 2023 is? A constitutional amendment year. Um, the other... The other remnant is, is when you go back and you look at Rule 84 of the Senate. What is that rule and what is that language? Again, it speaks of the general referendum. In other words, the rule speaks of 
why and how the people of Vermont will go and vote on a constitutional amendment. And that language is still in Rule 84 of our Senate rules today, right now. All you got to do is go to the legislature's website and see it. What am I saying? What I'm saying is it takes time to see the impact of constitutional amendments. And sometimes they happen even when we don't see them happening. And sometimes things are happening that are being effectuated by their change, and we don't even know about it. And what I'm afraid of is what we didn't see. I'll leave it there for now. Um, thank you, Mark. Uh, I, I want to share also some information and historical stuff. And I got another clip I want to play, which is our master class uh, segment. Of course, we've got some music to go with it, but we're going to teach some lessons about Vermont. But one thing that I've discovered recently, I started looking for abolitionists in Vermont. And let me tell you, if you look up Vermont slavery abolitionists, the main thing that's going to show up is Mark Hughes and company. <laughs> because there's not a whole lot of history of slavery abolition or slavery abolitionists in Vermont for some reason, at least not enough to fill a Google search. But I did find out about the gentleman by the name of William Slade. And I did not know that William Slade was the first person to be subject to the gag rule. Uh, of course, the gag rule basically stops the discussion of anything having to do with slavery. I'm going to read a little bit of, about it, <clears throat> and then we're going to get into that master class. So on December 20th, 1837, William Slade of Vermont caused the House to adjourn, tempted to give a speech on the abolition of slavery and the slave trade in the District of Columbia. Two days earlier, he had introduced a petition from his constituents in Vermont on the same subject, but refrained from going any further. The problem said Slade was that no sooner did any member present a memorial related to the, in the slightest degree to a certain subject, the abolition of slavery, than it was directly attacked and placed under prohibition. For more than a year, New House Rule had maintained that discussions about slavery and abolition were too contentious for debate during the formal House business, known as the gag rule, the provision intended to uphold party politics and prevent slavery from dividing the House into northern and southern voting blocks. And they went on with this gag rule for another eight years. It was finally John Quincy Adams who over and over again finally got it removed in 1848, I believe it was. But whenever they would mention slavery in the Congress, particularly from William Slade, the uh, Democrats would scream, order, 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 and drown them out. So they couldn't even talk about it in the Congress. That's pretty amazing. And he was the first person to suffer the gag rule. It was because of him. So Vermont's got something that they're first in, first in the gag rule. All right, let's go ahead and hey, get man. into our mask. Yes? Before you get into that briefly, I just I wanted to also throw one other thing out on um, just research. I would encourage our listeners to go research the, the, um, the American uh, Colonization Society. Um, you, Seth, you probably read some stuff about it. So I came across a shocking and a startling um, instance where it seems that Vermont was heavily involved. In fact, uh, upwards of 11,000 people were moved over into Liberia. And I'm still trying to get to the bottom of whether that was all from Vermont. It is interesting that the, the railroad, the Underground Railroad ended here, but there ain't many of us here. 
Um, mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I just thought it was interesting, and I'm, we'll do some more research on that. But the we we call it ACS, the American Colonization Society, in the in what they created uh, in Liberia. That is a claim to fame that uh, Vermont has, and I know one of the reputable or disreputable ministers. Uh, that was for, uh, formerly over at the First Congregational Church over here at 38 South Winooski in Burlington was the secretary of that. So we've got a rich history. Um, but, again, just to be clear before you go on, just dial everybody back in. All we're really talking about is what we see in the Constitution. The words are on the paper. All we want to do is, is remove these exception clauses and make it clear that slavery is abolished because Slavery has never been abolished in Vermont, because if it had, we wouldn't have any exception clauses in this I document. Mean, right, exactly. The path has been laid. The legislature's done their job. All the information's out there. Let's get this done. Let's get it done. Uh, you know, Tribal Reign's ancestor, Paul Cuffey, was probably involved with that effort to send people, take people to Liberia. He was out of New England, Paul Cuffey, uh, and owned a shipping company that participated heavily in transporting Africans from the states to Africa. So it's likely that uh, we have a connection in that. All right, so I want to go ahead and play a clip from African American History is American History, episode number 52 of their series. It's titled Vermont, first of the 13 colonies to abolish slavery. And I want you to listen closely to what's being said. They expose themselves. And then it's going to be followed by We Are Messengers, The Devil is a Liar. You're listening to Abolition Today, abolitiontoday.org. Max Parthas and Yusuf Hassan with our guest today, Reverend Mark Hughes. We'll be right back after this. Abolition, Abolition. Today. Today. Vermont Today. has long been known for its independence. Before it became our 14th state, the people of Vermont were not all that excited about joining this new United States. But they also had no desire to remain a part of the British crown. Vermonters loved being independent and made that clear to the other colonies, especially when it came to slavery. On July 2nd, 1777, responding to the numerous calls from Quaker-led abolitionists to end slavery, not just in New England, but throughout the 13 colonies, Vermont became the first colony to ban it outright. Not only did Vermont's legislature agree to abolish slavery entirely, it also moved to provide full voting rights for African-American males. Earlier, In 1774, New England-area colonies, Rhode Island and Connecticut, had outlawed overseas slave importation, but still allowed inter-colony slave trade. On November 25, 1858, Vermont ratified an even stronger anti-slavery law into its constitution. The Freedom Act of 1858 declared that any slave brought into Vermont was free. However, This did little to end the disdain and cruelty with which black Americans were treated in the North. Each state had their own legal restrictions in place, making it difficult to damn near impossible for free blacks to find good work, own property, or even remain in the state. Now, talk about a paradox. Rhode Island, while legally ending slave importation from overseas, continued to have the highest number of slave auctions 
in the New England states. Additionally, Rhode Island's laws governing the treatment of African Americans, free or slave, were constantly being revised and updated and were among the harshest in the colonies. If free blacks associated with slaves, both could be whipped. Anyone giving an African American a cup of hard cider was leveled with a heavy fine, whipped, or both. Chapter 1 of the Constitution, titled A Declaration of the Rights of the Inhabitants of the State of Vermont, said, quote, No male person born in this country or brought from overseas ought to be holden by law to serve any person as a servant, slave, or apprentice after he arrives to the age of 21 years, nor female in the like manner after she arrives to the age of 18 years unless they are bound by their own consent after they arrive to such age or bound by law for the payment of debts, damages, fines, costs, or the like, or the like. Now, just to be clear, Vermont's July 1777 declaration to abolish slavery wasn't entirely an act of selfless compassion. While Vermont did set an independent tone from the 13 colonies, the declaration's wording was just vague enough to let Vermont's already established slavery practices continue.
But slavery by definition, and I saw that out on your site, uh, you know, the um, Bellagio definition that you have out there. But by mm-hmm. definition, when you can own somebody, when you can profit off somebody, that's oppressive. You know, just like that that little, um, that young lady in, in Acts 16, um, 16 through 24, the, the little slave girl, the Bible says that she was being used for profit. Um, but when, when, when uh, Paul and Silas released her and let her free, you know, because the Bible is clear, you know, that our job is is to to um, to preach the gospel to the poor and to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives, to recover sight to the blind, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed, uh, because the spirit of the Lord is upon us. And when they let when they set her free, um, then all heck hit the fan, because because her owners in the Bible makes it clear they they saw that they could no longer profit. And the first thing they did is threw them brothers in jail. Uh, the the morality of what it is we're dealing with is, is it is an oppressive institution. There should be there should be no instances in any constitution that gives any leeway um, for anybody to implement anything like that, any type of oppressive institution like slavery. And I'm going to take it one step further, and I'll go back to you, Max. And that is, it's 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 more our job. Because this constitutional amendment, it will make unconditional the creation uh, or the upholding um, of any law. It'll make it unconstitutional, rather, the creation of in, uh, or the upholding of any law, any rule, any institution that relies upon, that, perp- that, that perpetuates, or that enables uh, um, uh, slavery in any way. Uh, so that's what this thing seeks to do. So to... We got to get on the offensive, people. It's not enough for us to say, um, um, let's not have in our Constitution language that 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 says that 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 uh, slavery is permitted. What we have to do is we have to place con- language in our Constitution that makes it clear that it is not. So that's what this is doing. Again, here in, in Vermont, we've we've done the work. We've, we've, we've been in the legislature, tiring, tiring four years. They've heard our cries. The elected people, they put these folks in office. And the reason why they do it, two separate by idiom, because it's two separate legislative bodies that have decided upon this. So there's a lot of work that went into that. And like I said, the same tired audiences from, from the minority group here, um, they're, they're being levied now because it wasn't enough for them to try to go to the legislature and convince them Fairly, so now what they want to do is they want to turn the same tired ar- arguments to the public and somehow or another get them riled up. It's not going to work. It's going to work. We got this thing. Um, the language is not, um, you know, it, it's not one of them things where you, you look at it and say, oh well, this is uh, symbolic. No, there's no symbolism to abolishing slavery. There's nothing at all symbolic about this. And now maybe some of us may not live to actually see the impact that this actually causes, but we I'm not going to be so arrogant and so pretentious like some of my colleagues and contemporaries uh, to believe that somehow or another by changing the language in this Constitution that it's going to have no effect when that language is as powerful as saying that slavery is prohibited. So this is a done deal. Go to the ballot, folks. Um, go to the Secretary of State's website. There's a place out there where you can um, actually – 
You can you can see whether or not you're registered to vote. It's amazing. Uh, go out there and check it out. If you don't know how to get there, go to sos.vermont.gov slash elections slash voters. That's sos.vermont.gov slash elections slash voters. You can also go over to our website, which is abolishslaveryvt.org, abolishslaveryvt.org. Now, watch this. This ain't free. So we need your help. We need folks. We need folks to step up, pony up. Let's get some. Let's get some money behind this work that we're doing. Well, it ain't no shame in this game. We need some money to do this work. Right now, we're we're Amen. launching off this week. We're launching off this week this uh, a campaign. We're calling it Prop Two One Hundred One. Uh, we're in churches across the Burlington area. We're we're going to also uh, be in Fletcher Free Library. Look at our our our. Our Facebook page, you can you can track us on that. It's called Prop Two One On One. We're going to start canvassing. We're going to start doing. Um, we're going to start doing some phone banking as well. Uh, we just um, we just finished some focus groups. It's very very interesting to hear what the Vermonters are saying about this. Uh, the vast majority of them, unsurprisingly and overwhelmingly, are convinced that this is what we need to do. It's not a hard sell. It's not even a heavy lift. But it takes time, it takes money, it takes resources, and so we have to, you know, obviously we got to expand our capacity to do this work. Uh, you can also go to vtracialjusticealliance.org. That's vtracialjusticealliance.org. There's a support area over there. We need some help. Um, again, uh, abolishslaveryvt.org is the other place, but the most important thing you can do is make sure that you register to vote. I'm already registered to vote, Reverend Hughes. You moved. You know you did. Update your records because you're not, if you moved, you got a problem. You got married. You got divorced. I don't know what your situation is. It's not good enough to know that you voted before. Make sure that your voting record, your registration for your voting is more important than your driver's license. Get registered. In the state of Vermont, every single state office, every single office in this state is up for election this year. And we have a consequential congressional race, uh, national congressional race that's up. One-third of the legislature is, is turning. In other words, they will not come back. It is the great resignation. It is time to vote. People have suffered, bled, and died to give us the opportunity the responsibility, the awesome responsibility to do this. So register to vote. Well, you know us, brother. Uh, we lay it out like prosecutors up here. Make sure you go to abolishslaverybt.org, scroll down to the bottom, and click donate. They need the help, for real. Uh, so, and don't be, uh, be generous. Be very generous, as generous as you could possibly be. Go there and make a donation. So, yeah, we're like prosecutors up in here, man. Uh, we like to tell the whole story, show how we got here, who was behind it, and why it's the way it is. And in that clip that we heard earlier, there were some connections made about inception, intention, and deception. Uh, first of all, they said that this was in uh, the whole effort to abolish slavery came from the calls from the Quakers, <laughs> not what was happening to enslaved people, but because the Quakers said, please, can you can you make this thing stop? That's the first mm -hmm. thing. Secondly, you know, I'm not going to say that symbolism is worthless, 
We took the Confederate right. flag down here in South Carolina from the Capitol building, and that meant a lot. People spent generations trying to get that done, and I was blessed to be one of the people involved in seeing it finally happen. So there is some uh, benefit to symbolism, but the Constitution is not symbolism. If anything is symbolism, it is what they called abolishing slavery was generally symbolic because it didn't actually do that. Uh, one of the connections that was made was in regards to your discussion of freedmen. And they said that they had the Freedom Act of 1858, of it, uh, 1858, which declared that anybody escaping from the slave states and made their way to Vermont were free the moment they get there. So hence, freedmen. But that only lasted two years before they shot it down on May 10th, 1861, when the legislator repealed the law as inconsistent mm-hmm. with the Constitution of the United States of America. So the symbolism isn't us. The symbolism is what they were doing when they called themselves abolishing slavery and trying to provide for people to be free. Uh, they would put up a law, shoot it down. They would put up uh, words in, you know, like your first article, that allowed for the very thing they said they were getting rid of. Mark? We can't be surprised about that, though. We've been, we've been, you know, chasing this thing around, whether it is, you know, whether it's the um, Fugitive Slave Act, the abolishment of that, you know, whether it's, whether it was, you know, you know, you, you, you create something and you say, well, here's the Earth Civil Rights Act of fill in the blank. Why, let me ask you know, ask yourself a question. If if our you know, if you got the fourteenth amendment, the thirteenth amendment, the fifteenth amendment, why do you you know, why do you need why do you even need uh a um a civil rights act? Um you, the civil rights act of what was it eighteen, I wanna say eighteen seventy, eighteen eighty or something like that. That one right there 64. was upside down. Um just in the civil rights movement uh, during the Freedom Ride. Um, and uh, it was used as the basis of um, of of, of the, this whole. Um, uh, I just lost my train of thought. The um, qualified immunity. Civil rights. Uh, yeah, qualified, qualified immunity. business. Yeah, that, that's what that. So it's 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 a pendulum. I think you said it's a pendulum that's that's always swinging, which means we need to be always ready. We need to be always at work. That's why what we're doing. This is not a project. Uh, this is not, you know, the work that we're doing, this is not a campaign. Um, this is not even a movement. This is a lifestyle because we got we to gotta wake up every day, every day, ready to fight for our freedom because we can't sit back and, and depend on somebody else uh, to fight for our freedom. You know, th- during this whole, this whole process that we've been going through, uh, this situation, you know, we've gone to, you know, we, we went to the Episcopal Diocese. We went and got their support on this thing. We went to the Vermont Democratic Party and made sure that they, they put it in their platform in 16 and 18. I don't know why it's not in there today, Democratic Party in Vermont. Why did you take it out before it was done? Uh, we went, you know, we went to um, the House uh, the year before this thing even started and had them pass HR2 to urge the Senate to even get this thing going. We went to the Vermont League of Cities and Towns where they unanimously passed a resolution expressing their desire that this Constitution uh, be amended. Uh, We went to the Governor's Workforce Equity and Diversity Council 
where they unanimously voted in favor in 2019 uh, to get this thing passed. So there's always work to do. There's always people to talk to. We've had the ACLU. We've had the NAACP uh, president meetings and so forth. Uh, and when this is done, we're still not done. We've got other states. Uh, we've, got, we've got policies to look at. Uh, we, we need to review and, and take a look and see um, just uh, how, this, how this is affecting us across other areas here uh, in Vermont. There's, you know, we got work in our community. We got to do, we, we got to take care of the impact um, that the, um, the output of systemic racism is having in our community that's created uh, by this. So there's a lot. Uh, I'll just conclude with, um, you know, we have a moral responsibility. You know, we have, um, it's not just um, about us, it's about our, it's about our children. Uh, it's about, you know, this thing that we call justice. Um, you know, we're called to do justice and love mercy and walk humbly uh, in our lives. And, and what that means is, is that it's, it's not just about us. Um, the work that we're doing, you know, you know, just like we teach our kids, you know, about the, thing, the whole thing about being fair. You know, is it fair and square? Every, every now and then we just got to think to ourselves, are we fighting for the right thing? Because, if, you know, what we're finding out now is, is that if we don't have a, a system where, where it, is, it is orderly to the extent um, that we live uh, in, in, a, in, a, in a society, um, that, that there, is, there, is, there is a rule of law. Now, we didn't make this up. Somebody else taught us this one, right? But there, there must be a rule of law because what we, what we come to understand is, is that without, when, you, when you get away from fairness, it's not just unfair to black and brown people. It's unfair to anybody because anybody with political and economic power can turn somebody's world upside down. So then we start talking about the very foundation, uh, the very foundation of our democracy, Right, and that is why you can you can you can turn your television on, and people are talking about waving Confederate flags in the United States Capitol on January 6th because we're dealing with unresolved issues. We're dealing with unresolved issues that date all the way back to 1865 because we thought we could solve something that we created in this nation uh, with an institution that's as oppressive <laughs> as the institution of slavery with three measly amendments. There was no constitutional convention. There was no reckoning. They didn't even prosecute one person for treason for secession. Not one. Not Robert E. Lee. Not Jefferson Davis. Not nobody. Nobody was accountable for what happened in this nation, despite the fact 620,000 people died for it. And that was about an institution, a horrid institution. And what we and when we look at this constitution in a, in the, in 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 uh, Vermont, how dare you tell me that it that I should not somehow or another be reminded of that con of that institution when I see these exceptions? Let's fix it. Let's get it done. Let's do it now. Thank you, Mark. Uh, Yusuf, anything? No, I would just say that. Uh, to remind everyone to uh, check the Abolition Today page. We have a lot of information regarding the numbers, you know, behind it. many of the things that Mark has been talking about. When you want to look at the numbers of people that are incarcerated in Vermont, how much they're getting paid per person that's incarcerated, 
Like, this is how you can really see the bigger picture, how much money is being made. You hear Max and I talking about warehousing bodies all the time. They're making so much money, and that's why you have people coming out saying, or they, they, they're just ridiculously saying it's symbolic. It's not symbolic. There are billions of dollars involved in this by making this change, and that's why we're getting pushback all over the country behind abolishing slavery. It starts with removing it from the Constitution. That's where it starts, but it's bigger than that. It's a much bigger picture. So don't let anyone tell you that it's just something that's symbolic. It's definitely not symbolic. It's symbolic as in, yes, it's finally done, and we can always look back and say it's been done. But the bigger picture is it's real. what was – yeah, it's real. There are real people that are, their lives are affected behind changing the Constitution, that young black boys and black girls won't be hunted down in the streets anymore because there's a we'll, cost we'll incentive hanging over their head. <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't want to go off on a rant on yeah, that, Max. We'll get to those but, points. You know, I really get incensed when I start hearing people talking about it being symbolic. Yeah. And that's the big argument. It's actually uh, an extreme of that, too. There's like three phases of it. You've got one group who says, this is just symbolic. It doesn't mean anything. It won't do anything. And it's already been abolished, so there's nothing to worry about. And then you've got the other group who say things like, this is the most dangerous bill we've seen. And it has the possibility to change the entire justice system. And then you got the third group, which is where you find us. And Mark, what's right in your face right now? The Constitution literally says slavery is legal, and this is how you can be a slave. There is no switch you need to pull. The moment you get convicted, you're subject to this clause right here, meaning you become property. That's all it takes is a conviction as a uh punishment for a crime and then you're subject to slavery and voluntary servitude very simple let's take it out what the future holds for us is worth seeing because we've never seen it before in a nation where slavery has always been legal not just legal in the federal sense but 25 damn constitutions just like it including the grandfather of them all vermont they wanted to make sure People understood that we can do this to you. So we're going to end that. That's the plan, right, Mark? That's right, Max. And, and again, uh, I, and I think, you know, just to be pragmatic and just pivot on this thing, you know, I'll get philosophical on you for a minute, too, uh, is, is that let's just say hypothetically, humor me on this. Just be patient with me because it's going to make your head explode. But let's just say, okay, doesn't do anything. It's symbolic. Um, so if we remove this language, it's not going to do anything. All we're going to have is we're just going to have a constitution that says slavery and indentured servitude are prohibited in all, in all forms. Not going to do anything, but no harm, no foul. Okay. Okay. I'll take it. I'll take it. Because at the end of the day, we change the Constitution, and we'll just see what happens. We'll see, we'll see whether or not that plays itself out. 
that that's one of the things that we haven't said to folks. Um, and now you can you can relax now because I'm really not saying that. I'm saying if if it is symbolic and if it doesn't mean anything, then why all the hubbub? Why 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 all of the fuss? Why exactly. why do you even need to be out front talking about this thing? Why would you even show up in committee and fight tooth and nail to try to not make it happen? Now I was born at night, but it wasn't last night. Um, we know um, that there is, you know, people don't people don't cheat unless they don't think they can win. Um, so there there's there's we are over the target, gentlemen. We're over the target, and uh, ladies and gentlemen who are listening, there is, you know, it, and again. I heard you say take it out, Max, and, and I know what you meant. Again, taking it out is, is an act of defense. Inserting the language that says that slavery and indentured servitude are prohibited is an act of offense. Because then uh, what, you know, my hope is, and I'm, and, and I'm not apologetic about it, and, and I'm not, you know, hiding my intentions, at the end of the day, Every single thing, just like anything else in, in any constitution, any law that's created, any, any existing or emerging law, I should say, uh, is going to be judged by that standard. Any rule or policy is going to be judged by that standard. So when those legislators and that ledge council and they're doing their work, that standard is going to be the litmus test for anything emerging and when anything hits the court and it goes up through the court system, that will be the litmus test. And, and the reason why that is is because it's the Constitution. So, so yeah, we're, we're, we're poised to, I, you know, I have no doubt in my military mind we're going to win this thing. Uh, we're going to win it big because I really believe with all of my heart the vast majority of the folks here in the state of Vermont, they know. They they know and understand, and there and there are there are a lot of folks, a lot of folks that are on our side, folks who are listening to this, folks who have who have been a part of these campaigns, the hundreds and hundreds of folks who signed up and support this effort as it is, the folks that are going to march with us all the way to the finish line, and and I'm telling you, um, we are, you know, we are poised for a watch party. Uh, and we are poised for a victory march uh, because we're taking this thing and we're going to finish this here in Vermont once and for all, and then we can sit around and talk about what to do about it and what it does. But Amen. first, we're going to abolish slavery. That's it. Uh, Brother Mark, time flies when you're enjoying yourself. We're certainly enjoying our conversation here with you tonight. But I did want to squeeze in one more track before uh, we do our closing statements and get into our Bridging the Gap segment. Uh, so let me lead that in. This is an important issue that the country is dealing with right now. It is crucial for you to get out and vote. You cannot allow yourself uh, to be ignorant or to spout things that you heard from somebody else. It doesn't take a lot to Google the 13th Amendment and read it for yourself. That's really all you need to do is just read it for yourself. It doesn't take a lot to Google the Vermont Constitution and read it for yourself. Uh, just five minutes of reading and thinking, and you're done. You don't figured it all out. Mm-hmm. But many people tend to just repeat what they heard. Uh, we are in the age of information. Ignorance is a choice. With that being said, I want to share a podcast that came out. It's just a short clip. 
It's called the LSD Podcast. And it is uh, touted as the hottest pod in the world. And it's got three uh, speakers there, Andre, Laz, and Moni. Uh, listen to them. And this is not what you should be doing, okay? And that's going to be followed by Nina Simone, Misunderstood. You're listening to Abolition Today, abolitiontoday.org. We'll be right back after this. Abolition. Abolition. Today. They might, not, might be right. There might, we might not be free here. Did you guys see the... They're putting a slavery on the five states' ballots for voting. Slavery? Yeah, uh, as a punishment. As a punishment for what? Oh, like, like if you go to jail, prison, you can like be, you can be a, a slave. slave. Well, that's in that's in the Constitution already. Yeah, yeah. So they prisoners. They took work. that shit off, but five states are putting it back on their ballots. No, I think it's still there. It, it's somewhere in the Constitution. It says it, it's. I think it's the thirteenth. That's pretty dangerous. The thirteenth amendment. It says that, and it's a long thing. Um, a long amendment so that I can't quote it for you off the top but if you look it up I think it says that like if you're persecuted you can pretty much be like work for free in jail yeah I've heard that you like, know they put prisoners to work and private like institution exactly. private jail private, do that yeah because exactly. they're not yeah I'm pretty sure it's like a federal thing right like federally that's the law but some states use, uh, choose to not follow that specific law yeah like the marijuana shit where it's like federally illegal but yeah, some states like California. decides to like I guess five states are deciding to bring that shit back into their voting ballot. That's dangerous because that's just yeah. a step closer to, like, slavery. And you can right. get, like, you can pretty much get, like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, tricked into that shit. Right. Or, like, you right. can get fraud, you know? Yeah, like, some people just fill in the ballot. Exactly. Shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, and that's crazy, right? Because, like, you said earlier, Laz, you're like, oh, top, the top G message or whatever, Andrew Tate's message is, is dangerous in our society. That's what you said. Yeah. But then you hear about shit like this is that I, I'm not saying that the Andrew Tate, uh, whatever you say, I'm not saying that's not an issue because obviously people are outraged or whatever. Um, but this is like an issue that is like morally incorrect and like really like, why do we, why aren't we hearing more about this? Why isn't this being struck down immediately? I think it's just worded di- differently. Baby, you understand me now If sometimes you see that I'm mad Don't you know no one alive can always be an angel When everything goes wrong you see some bad But I'm just a soul whose intentions are Baby, I'm so carefree With a joy that's hard to hide And then sometimes again it seems that all I have is worry And then you're bound to see my other side
and I get more than my share. But that's one thing I never mean to do, cause I love you. Abolition. Abolition. Today. Abolition. Today. Abolition. Today. Wow. I don't even want to say their name again. Yeah, I'm sitting here with like we're advertising them. That's you know, shameful. But, yeah. You know, and I would say to what Nina Simone said, you know, oh, Lord, please don't let Louisiana 7, Amendment 4, Measure 112, Amendment 3, and PR2 be misunderstood. Right. You know, we don't want this to happen. We don't want this type of information to start being spread out there, you know, that somehow slavery is being put on the ballot. Put back in as if it was out. That's what they're saying. And all three of them had laptops and didn't even bother to read nothing, but they're spreading this information to scare people now. And that's just shameful. Mark, um, what I'd like to do is go ahead and give the mic to you to make comments on what you just heard. And then if you don't mind, go straight into your final comments, where we should go, any last words for us or anything like that. Yeah, no doubt, Max. Um, they knew what they were doing. Um, and that, that's, that's, the new, that's the new thing. Uh, that's the, um, the new thing you, you see happening across America, you you think um, you know you think that you're, you're talking to somebody and, and they're they're basically telling you the opposite um, and um, pretending like they just don't understand. So I don't I, I just I don't I wouldn't fall for it. There's there's going to be opposition and it's going to come in a lot of different forms. Now, all we can do is just tell our story. Um, don't be concerned about um, those things on our left and on our right. We continue to march forward. Um, but, you know, I'm pretty sure, uh, there, you know, there, yeah, of course, there's folks out there that, that are confused. But, um, you know, ev- everything that we need is right in front of us. You know, it's just as simple as reading for about 30 seconds, 30 seconds. And if a person here in the state of Vermont doesn't want to take the time to read for 30 seconds, uh, then they probably won't listen to you for 10 seconds. Uh, so we don't need to worry about that. Um, we're moving forward. You know, let me just wrap it and just, uh, first of all, just thank you. Uh, shout out to everybody who's listening. Um, but thank uh, you, you two, uh, you two folks standing shoulder to shoulder doing the work that you're doing at Abolition Today and just making this thing a reality every week. Um, not just now, not just what's going on with Vermont, not just today, not just what, with the you know with the, with the five right now, but what you've been doing you know week after week, month after month, year 
after a year here. Um, you guys, you know, you guys make me proud, and, and I'm really, you know, humbled to to be able to to know you and to to, to be invited on the program. Um, I would say for folks who are listening, um, who are you know associated with what's what's happening here in Vermont, just be strong and 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 understand that you know we're going to get this done. Don't take it for granted. Uh, you know, don't you know don't slough off. Understand everything, not just PR2, but everything that's hanging in the balance. Check your voting status. Get over to uh, abolishslaveryvt.org. Give us some money. We need some help. We need your help, even those from across the um, the nation. If you, if you can help us out, we would deeply appreciate it. I'll send you a thank you card. Also, um, get over to Secretary of State's website. Uh, check it out and find out all of the other things that we're doing at vtracialjusticealliance.org and richardkempcenter.org, which is you know how we're making this work come come to life in our community because we know that as a result of the legacy of the institution of slavery, the legacy of the institution of slavery underserves our communities consistently and insidiously. We know that these communities. Uh, have been, um, you know, underserved in ways in which the programs and services have been inefficient, they've been ineffective, and they've been non-existent in various ways. We're here to culturally translate and, and uh, deliver these services in these communities. RichardKempCenter.org, we need your support out there as well. Again, Max, you, tough, uh, you guys are amazing people. Uh, shout out uh, to uh, Savannah uh, and the amazing work that you're doing as well. Love you guys all. Thank you, Brother Mark. Uh, I think I speak for Thank both you, of Mark. us when I say that we are appreciative of you being here today to share this information and this call to action with us as we move into the final seven weeks of abolition. Um, I want to thank our listeners for tuning in tonight. Um, we may go just a couple minutes over time, so if you're listening live and you want to hear the whole show and not go to the replay to have to hear the last couple of minutes, then you need to call in at 515-605-9814 so you can hear the live stream all the way to the end. If not, you can catch the last couple minutes in the replay later on. Uh, We have a bunch of news that we weren't able to share with you, but we will share it on our social media page, Abolition Today. Follow us there on Facebook. Uh, And also, as Yusuf would always say, subscribe to our YouTube page. All the music and information that you saw here today and heard here today. Um, Brother Yusuf? Yes, I definitely want to make sure that I get this announcement out for EPIC. You know, uh, Gina Kenny is an avid listener to the show and supporter of the show. So ensuring parole for incarcerated citizens presents their annual wrongful conviction day rally. That's this upcoming Saturday, October 1st, and that's at 2 p.m. at the Cuyahoga County Justice Center, 1200 Ontario Avenue, Cleveland, Ohio. It says that they will stand on the Lakeside Avenue side in solidarity. That's going to be in solidarity with EPIC, uh, the Free Dwayne Brooks Movement, New Order National Human Rights Organization, and Breaking Silence with Prison Reform. So they say they want to bring the crowd to downtown Cleveland, join them for a public event, educating, embracing, and empowering people about wrongful convictions and the importance of voting. 
And that's the perfect segue for the the Adnan Sayed situation that just occurred. Uh, for those who don't know, Adnan Sayed was a young gentleman who was uh, convicted of murdering his girlfriend, you know, but he was just recently uh, acquitted, you know, because the defense withheld exculpatory inf- information, information able to prove his innocence. So it says Saeed's case highlights how the withholding of potentially exculpatory evidence by police and prosecutors can often lead to wrongful convictions. Critics say that a lack of accountability and transparency has made it easy for prosecutors to get away with such official misconduct as innocent individuals brought before the justice system are made to pay, oftentimes with years of their lives behind bars for crimes they did not commit. And according to the National Registry of Exonerations, there were at least 2,400 exonerations in the U.S. between 1989 and 2019. And in 44% of the cases, it was the withholding of potentially exonerating evidence that resulted in a person's release. Prosecutorial misconduct and police misconduct are the most common contributing factors, according to Simon Cole, the director of the registry, and within that, the concealing of evidence, which is what's alleged in Saeed's case, is the most common subtype of official misconduct. And I think that was the, oh, the new rules for L.A. County Jail. Remember last week we spoke about all of the atrocities that were going on in L.A. County Jail where people were in, you know, hundreds of people were in a holding cell shackled to the benches and everything, and they were basically defecating and urinating on themselves or right there in in the presence of everybody on the floor. So new rules have been released. We actually have a really short news clip of it, of the new rules that the judge ruled. And so this is the new rules for L.A. County Jail. Federal judge has signed an order restraining L.A. County sheriffs from holding anyone in inmate reception for more than 24 hours. The order comes after a civil rights group called Los Angeles jail conditions, quote, barbaric. The American Civil Liberties Union had previously asked the judge for an emergency order claiming inmates had been routinely denied clean water, functioning toilets, showers, and prescribed medications. The new rules state that a person cannot be kept in a holding cell for periods longer than 12 hours or in a locked cage for more than eight hours. All right. Oh, go ahead, Max. Oh, that that's it. Uh, we just want to share those last pieces of news with you, and now we're going to get into our final segment. Uh, but before that, I just want to say thank you to our sponsors. Yusuf, if you don't mind thanking our sponsors before we get into our Bridging the Gap. Sure. Thank you, sponsors. Huh, just kidding, of course. <laughs> <laughs> so we want to thank Jailhouse Lawyers Speak, the IMWE Ubuntu Prison Advocacy Network, Sema Urge, that's Quakers Uplifting Racial Justice, the Paul Cuffey Abolitionist Center, Prismatic Dreams, the Black Talk Radio Network, and the Abolish Slavery National Network. Just another reminder, subscribe to Abolition Today on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash Abolition Today, and definitely go to Facebook and follow us on Abolition Today over there. We're also available on all major podcast platforms, 
You can also go to abolitiontoday.org for all of our archives. Definitely go to the Abolish Slavery National Network to see more information about the five campaigns. And also, if you're not in one of the five states, that you can see what's happening in your state. And you can also text END THE EXCEPTION, all one word, to 52886. As we mentioned every week, this will send a signed petition on your behalf to your congressional reps in support of the proposed 28th Amendment to repeal and replace the exception clause to the 13th Amendment. So this week, we have Ozzie Davis uh, reading Frederick Douglass while bridging the gap. And this one is entitled, My Dedication. And that's going to be followed by Freedom from the movie Django Unchained. So we'll be back next Sunday, October 2nd, God willing, with another master class on slavery abolition. And that will be week three of the eight weeks of abolition. That means we're only going to have six weeks left. So until then, think about abolition today. Peace to you, Brother Max. Peace to all of our listeners. And peace and blessings upon you all. Abolition. Abolition. To my friends in England, I owe my freedom in the United States. They learned through correspondence that Captain Auld, my master, would take 150 pounds sterling for me. And this sum they promptly raised and paid for my liberation, placing the papers of my manumission into my hands before they would tolerate the idea of my return to my native land. To this commercial transaction, to this blood money, I owe my immunity from the operation of the Fugitive Slave Law. Having remained abroad for nearly two years and being about to return to America, not as I left it a slave, but a free man, prominent friends of the cause of emancipation in England offered to make me a testimonial, both on the grounds of personal regard to me and also to the cause to which they were so ardently devoted. I suggested that my friends should simply give me the means of obtaining a printing press and materials to enable me to start a paper advocating the interest of my enslaved and oppressed people. I told them that perhaps the greatest hindrance to the adoption of abolition principles by the people of the United States was the low estimate everywhere in that country placed upon the Negro as a man, that because of his assumed natural inferiority, people reconciled themselves to his enslavement and oppression as being inevitable, if not desirable. The grand thing to be done, therefore, was to change this estimation by disproving his inferiority and demonstrating his capacity for a more exalted civilization than slavery and prejudice had assigned him. In my judgment, a newspaper in the hands of persons of the despised race would, by calling out and making them acquainted with their own latent powers, by enkindling their hope of a future and developing their moral force, prove a most powerful means of removing prejudice and awaking an interest in them. These views I laid before my friends. The result was that nearly $2,500 was speedily raised toward my establishing such a paper as I had indicated. On December 3, 1847, I launched my own newspaper, The North Star, in Rochester, New York. I chose this name because a slave followed the North Star when he escaped north to freedom. 
On the masthead, I inscribed as the paper's motto the words, Right is of no sex, truth is of no color, God is the father of us all, and we are all brethren. In a message to my oppressed countrymen, I wrote, We solemnly dedicate the North Star to the cause of our long oppressed and plundered fellow countrymen. May God bless the undertaking to your good. It shall fearlessly assert your rights, faithfully proclaim your wrongs, and earnestly demand for you instant and even-handed justice. Giving no quarter to slavery in the South, it will hold no truce with oppressors in the North, while it shall boldly advocate emancipation for our enslaved brethren, it shall omit no opportunity to gain for the nominally free, complete enfranchisement. Every effort to injure or degrade you or your cause, originating wheresoever or with whomsoever, shall find in it a constant, unswerving, and inflexible foe. Remember that we are one, that our cause is one, and that we must help each other if we would succeed. We have drunk to the dregs the bitter cup of slavery. We have worn the heavy yoke. We have sighed beneath our bonds and writhed beneath the bloody lash. Cruel mementos of our oneness are indelibly marked on our living flesh. We are one with you under the ban of prejudice and proscription, one with you under the slander of inferiority, one with you in social and political disfranchisement. What you suffer, we suffer. What you endure, we endure. We are indissolubly united and must fall or flourish together. I had resolved that whatever power I had should be devoted to the freeing of my people from slavery, and that once free, they should enjoy all the rights, privileges, and immunities enjoyed by any other members of American society. To the achievement of these goals, I dedicated the rest of my life. Felt like the weight of the world was on my shoulders. Pressure to break or retreat at every turn. Facing the fear that the truth I discovered.
Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.